0: Hello, and uh, welcome back to the Handstand cast with me, Emmett Lewis, and my co host, Mikhail Christy Hansen. I was about to say, How's it going, Mikhail? But he's in the middle of a yawn, so I think that sums up my question. Yeah how's it going, Mikhail?
1: Um yeah.
0: Uh, not so bad, I guess. Yeah. Mm. Been worse. It's been worse. Cool. His biceps are immense. You should see the pump he has on from doing a band workout earlier. <laughs> yeah. It's like enormous. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've stopped hand balancing. I'm getting into bodybuilding now. He so. will become a swollinger. Mm. Yeah, it's my, my. I my kind of hope you should do that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's not going to
0: happen. Oof, imagine having to do all that shit. I don't know. I think you'd look good with like the orange face paint. Kind of. you got to think about like the fake tan as becoming the ultimate warrior. Oh, yeah. Oh, I say cool. he used a lot of fake tan. And he's cool. I we mean, both he, agree. The Ultimate is pretty at cool. least he at least he
1: took enough gear to be a competitive bodybuilder. So
0: yeah, no,
1: I think I'll, I think yeah.
0: I'll skip it. Yeah. Uh, no, so, competitive
1: bodybuilding for me.
0: First off, I need to find the name of this person. Where is what, my what person? person? The person who sent us the picture of their corgi and their Siamese. Oh, so shit. he done us a one better. Where it's like, check out my dog and my cat. That is that is good Damn, we have a dog and the captain hand. you send
1: us you get like plus one to strength
0: I promise Ooh. I give you my blessing yeah, that's five, let's go there's thank you all for sending so much stories and tagging us in but now I'm having a very uh difficult time finding who this person was but he uh let's put it in he sent us his corgi uh, I don't know if you ever noticed it about the corgis, but uh, I showed Mikhail this and you can look this up online that if you crossbreed a corgi with another dog, it just looks like a corgi is in disguise as that dog. Yeah, it was rather weird. It was they rather all, weird. <laughs> they, all like, they all just get short legs and look cute. They all just look corgified. Ooh, I can't find his name. Anyway, we'll have to leave it. Thank you Laura's. for uh, the picture of corgi. Thank you for the picture of your corgi and your cat. He had a Siamese that wasn't as bald as the other Siamese. So anyway, let's give those animals a rating. we give them 13 out of 10. Would pet extensively indeed uh feel free to send us your pets for ratings and uh general now we can cures. get like a fuck ton of pets but last time we, we only well, got one yeah. so oh yeah i just you know we're trying out there uh send the handstand factory so uh okay where's our questions for today so we are doing another one of our qas where we ask answer your questions so if you would like to ask us a question about anything related to hand balancing handstanding, or anything we talk about Uh, please feel free to send them to Handstand Factory on Instagram or there's a contact form on the website. Or if you want to be edited into the podcast like you were here with us in the studio, uh, you can do a voice question on anchor.fm if you find us there. Uh, Yeah, phone-ins are cool. Uh, First question for today, a very simple one. Hand position for handstands, tenting fingers or flat hands? Tenting fingers, I guess that is the... Yeah, the first mean, knuckle up? First, well, huh? I'd call tenting first knuckle up, huh? but then other people would call that like cambered when you have the first knuckle down. Uh. And then other people would say this. Mm. Mm. I mean,
1: just uh, find find a hand position that you like and a, a hand position that you can apply pressure on the floor with nicely. Uh, and don't ever think about it again.
0: Yeah, it really is just that simple. I think a lot of people are too managing the micro or micromanaging everything. It's yeah. like... Whenever I hear someone say in hand balance or any kind of skill that you have to do it this one way and there's no other option, they're generally wrong. And I can generally find a counterexample yeah, of this. Like so. just If you can find the
1: counterexample of it, of someone being pretty good with another hand position, then it's
0: likely that that hand position is not the kind of yeah. and defining I can, thing. I could probably find an equal number of people who use a hand completely flat on the floor and finger spread super wide and an equal... Number of people who, I don't know. Well, we go to the extreme like Sergei Timoev or Morgan who do the ultra yeah. pyramid hand style. Yeah. So maybe it's, not that
1: one. It's more rare with that. But we, we talked about this before, but it's likely up to some degree of structural thing in terms of bones and all of this. Maybe some in terms of muscle insertions or tendons. and It's hard to know. As well as just habits and what you you feel you're comfortable with. So Yeah. Like that's the primary thing that just find a hand position where you feel that your application of force into the ground um, is strong because that is that is the practical issue or like the practical reason of having your hand on the floor and using your fingers is that it's not, it's not the surface area of the hand. It is the sum of forces that your hand is able to exert on the floor. And that is why kind of this very high kind of pyramid looking hand can work because it's still applying force to the ground in an efficient manner for that person not
0: how large or how the surface area looks yeah it's definitely uh some people would say this is the kind of thing is like if you look at uh what we're trying to do with the hand we're grabbing the ground let's just say we're straight up grabbing ground you don't really grab a ball with flat hands and try to keep your first knuckle down the hand makes a kind of curved effect Mm. so if you can't get the force to your fingertips with a completely flat hand, as a lot of people say you must do, then curving the hand will probably work for you. If, on the other sense, you just you can feel that you can control and your sense of balance is very refined, then a flat hand can be very useful. So yeah, it's it's just up to you, basically. Yeah. So
1: just just look for being able to utilize the pressure of your fingers and just stick with what you feel good with. There, it's it's not a detail that will change. Uh, significantly Uh, it's largely an individual thing
0: yeah Uh, cool our next question I am trying to work towards three minutes on two arms and I feel like I waste a lot of energy making tiny fidgeting adjustments to my shoulder position I always want to make it a little more stacked a little uh, a little lighter Uh, I think it wastes more energy than just sticking with what may be a little less ideal position any thoughts or suggestions to break this habit?
1: Mm, I mean, to me, it's kind of there's two elements in there, and they're kind of counter, like they're kind of in opposition to each other. One is pushing for three minutes uh, and feeling that you're breaking form. What about aiming for one minute with not breaking the form? That might also be a way to look upon it because if if that is what you're looking for, a stacked and very kind of calm handstand, then find the minute within that handstand first rather than aiming for three minutes of it or two minutes or whatever like this number like act or like uh, trying to achieve a certain number is more about either the specific achievement of such or of getting strong and having enough endurance to do so but if you feel yourself fidgeting too much then like make sure you're much more controlled with a lot shorter holds perhaps
0: yeah i think it's one of the things with endurance is like are you just if you're trying to make the time you know then you've got a different thing if you're trying to make the time with a perfect form it is just one of the things like if you have say your max at the moment is two minutes and you're trying to push beyond that once you start getting to 220 yeah, 20 things are just going to get sloppy and you just have to kind of grind through it it's also like if we think of uh, all the various muscles of the upper back and that control the balance forearm even and everything everything that's involved in balancing your hands then They all get tired at slightly different rates. Mm. And while they, when they're fresh, you can achieve attain perfect line. They might need to deload and unload and stuff like this. So if you can break the line a little bit, it's kind of like, if you're doing hanging, you're trying to like beat your hanging time or you're climbing and you're on the wall or you're hanging from a bar, if you take one hand off, shake it off a little. And then grab back on mm. it allows you to stay longer than in a fixed shape so yeah. if you're going for like maximum endurance i just want a three-minute hands and say i can stand three minutes then i basically my advice would be to like slowly let your form get worser mm. and then restack to take a break and that kind of thing if you're going for perfect form then it's like you're aiming to be super easy in the form and you're trying to find you're trying to find your like your weak points as well it's like Oh, is it your forearm fatigues first and you can't balance correct? Well, try it on blocks and see, can you do that, which will have an easier grip. Mm. Then if you go, okay, I can hold three minutes on blocks, then it must be the forearm. So now you just need stronger forearms or better endurance in your forearms. Generally, there's also one of the things that, uh, with all my students who can do much longer handstands and much longer balances on two arms, every single one of them is really good on one arm and has really strong presses. So getting really strong in stronger exercises will transfer to your endurance. Yeah. yeah, I think it's uh, that's also the question
1: like why do, why do you want 3 3 minutes? Uh for me it's like on two arms. I mean if like anything beyond standing to, for 2 minutes is about like or for me is then about the interest of standing longer on two arms. Um because you could then funnel that same amount of energy that you spend then on building to 3 or building to 4 or 5 on working on your one arm or your press or whatever else type of skills. So this is just up to this is just just up up to interest. And there's nothing wrong in wanting to do four minute handstand, but it's a specific interest and it won't necessarily carry over much further to uh, the other kind of skills. So like, I mean, I'm a perfect example of that. I probably couldn't pull off a five minute handstand right now unless I trained like a week for it <laughs> or something. But like. There are people that can do five minute handstands that aren't even close to my level on like one arms or presses or most of kind of the more advanced vocabularies. There is diminishing returns on what you are going to get out of it in terms of carryover, but that's up to you what you want to do with it.
0: Yeah, I had a friend just on a quick note on endurance. I had a friend who went to China in the earlier kind of days when the, the Beijing Art School had opened up for Westerners to come in, mm. uh, she she was went she was pretty high level. She's pretty good on her hands she could do some one arms was pretty flexible you know pretty all around pretty good uh, they wouldn't let her train one arms so she could do a 10 minute two arm yeah
1: yeah I've heard of this one too
0: yeah uh, I'm sure that was great for the 10 kilo kids hmm. who they were training with a Rather 55 excessive. kg woman who was hmm. uh, not fair they've lessened up on uh, the demands on westerners now because they think we're, we're lazy or yeah. don't realise the difference but uh yeah It's also uh, when you're approaching endurance, one thing to think about as well is if you're constantly just going for max times then not, maybe you need a more structured program of like, oh, I'll build endurance in tuck shapes as well, which will transfer to straight shapes and I'll work on a kind of escalating density kind of style. And then I'll have some days where I go for max straight shapes like this kind of thing. If we think about training for endurance in middle distance running, Mm where are like, oh, how long are we running for? Okay, look at that kind of training, where it's like, it's not just all out run the distance as far as you can. It's more like some days we will work at a higher intensity for lower stuff, but still kind of not mm. doing like five-second intervals, but something semi-close in the zone. So you can think about it like that as well. But uh yeah, in general, it's just figure out the bottleneck as well. Yeah. And I think that kind of covers yeah. various um aspects of it. Question two. Oh, no, no, that was question two. Question three. In one of the episodes, Mikhail and Emma reference different shoulder positions in one-arm handstand positions. Regular, straddle, one-arm handstand, flag, one-arm handstand, and figa. I'd be curious to hear more about that. Uh, Yeah. Um, I, I guess... You like, could explain the three families.
1: Yeah, or yes. yeah, three slash four. Uh, yeah. Like... They are very similar, and the better you are on your arms, the less you will feel of a difference. But uh, there will be certain uh, uh, things that will change depending on where, like basically. So the arm, like the arm's job, is to stay vertical to the ground to some degree or other. I mean, if you're doing a deep, deep flag, either you bend it or you might need to move the the hand away from the face meaning that the arm becomes diagonal but you're still having like you're still pushing down into the floor to avoid your your shoulder collapsing but um like so you can say in, in the straight one arms basically you're you you shift your hip over your arm you press through the shoulder and the arm is basically you can emulate that kind of position by simply lifting your arm above your head and elevating the arm quite strongly and maintaining slight external rotation in the arm to kind of doing a one-arm shape with the arm. When you're doing a FIGA, like you could the best way I could explain the sort of shoulder positioning there is like, uh, if you grab a weight and you put it overhead uh, in the same kind of position as you'd be in in a one-arm handstand then and then you do um, what's that movement called? It's a windmill. windmill, Very similar to a windmill with a kettlebell. Yeah, exactly. So what, what that does is that like When you do that kind of windmill, you kind of, you shift your pelvis out to the, like, out to the side or backwards. And then you have your hand sliding down your neck and you kind of, it's as if you kind of keep pushing higher slightly uh, to make sure that, like, if you, because if you stand, you have the weight overhead and you just tilt your pelvis out to the side and do nothing with your arm. The arm will go diagonal and this doesn't work. So that the arm needs to stay vertical and hence you kind of push further up uh, to maintain that kind of uh, verticality of the arm. And this changes like where the arm is slightly in relation to the rest of the body, since the the body actually pikes out to the side in a figa. Um, and you won't see a change in the actual arm from a straight one arm, but you're seeing a change in the body shape. And that that means yeah. that the shoulder gets placed slightly differently. Uh, and then in flags, of course, you're leaning your body out, out a lot, which means that you need to resist this kind of the tendency of the arm falling away from the head. Uh, and there is kind of like a little bit of kind of inwards pressure, I would say, like you're, you you almost need to, to, to push your arm toward, like not really towards your head, but if you're doing a very deep flag and you maintain your arm fully straight, you'll feel it a lot in the bicep. Yeah, uh, similar to a planche, not really, but like it's kind of like you'll feel it in the bicep if you if you keep that, and then the f- kind of fourth family would be a press, which is very it's very similar to a flag, uh, especially if you're good at both of the types of positions. But a press version, where then you go into a into a sort of flaggy position and pike the other leg, it offers a little bit different. Uh, Relationship with the free arm, how you kind of reach with it to, um, how do how do you call it? Like to counterbalance the fact that their legs are piking, um, and there's a little bit of a difference in rotation in the shoulder as you do so, and particularly if you go further, like into a very deep kind of pressy situation, uh, compared to a flag. But roughly, uh, that kind of, um, those are four sorts of alignments of the shoulder, um where the changes in the lower body will force you to change the uh, shape that you're in in the shoulder. Whereas if you would, for example, do straddle one arm to straight one arm, you're not changing anything in your shoulder. It just stays fully the same. All it needs to do is just be faster with its corrections as your legs go up due to the higher center of mass and like the shorter um, the shorter rotational lever.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, just add on to this, it's one of the things I know is so the straight shape is basically going to be the same flags are kind of interesting as well for in a lot of people this is this is the thing is like a lot of people will have a different flavor to their handstand don't, don't forget that mm. and what i see in a lot of people in flags is that the if you look at the shoulders are normally at a bit of a diagonal angle matching the hip angle for most people in a one arm and in a flag the opposite shoulder will come down so the shoulders will end up more horizontal this will for depending on how flexible you are on your sides and your own kind of individual proportions this will necessitate as the this will if you think the shoulder is counterbalancing the weight of the leg so that comes down to keep it seesawed on the other side of the pivot point it will also need to move horizontal away when this horizontal goes away as the legs particularly in a straight flag one or two things will happen you will see people bend the elbow slightly and this will set up the diagonal humerus at the scapula or they'll open out the arm to about thirty or forty degrees away, whereas they might be fifteen degrees. So it kind of opens out to get that counterbalance needed for the flag. Mm. Uh, one of the things on figa is the shoulder position is pretty unique to everyone. Mm. It's one of those ones. It's like it's we have some general ways of teaching the exercise, but it's you get see some really weird positions in figa. You see people who have like their arm is basically in what would be like an overhead squat position if you can imagine that. Yeah, you'll see people. Like is it Andre Moreau? I can't remember. Somewhere where the, the opposite scapula is basically stacked vertically in line with the arm. Yeah,
1: Andre he you know, when he does like the legs together for you guys it's, it's as if his, as if he just does kind of a lat, like an lateral abduction of the arm to ninety degrees. Yeah. That is kind of where his arm is in relation to the body because he's so folded together, it's incredible. Yeah. And that that just seems like this type of position where Like I tried replicating it holding onto a bar and it's just there is nothing I can do with my body to to get into that extreme of a position. Yeah. So it's it's definitely one that's up to a little bit to proportions, but also up to flexibility since like there are like particularly some some ladies that are very flexible in in the low backs and stuff, rather than kind of doing this kind of closed pike as like when you pike the legs like with closed pike i then mean in a similar way you would pike to do a press to handstand which is this you compress the legs hard towards the body some of them kind of arch the low back setting the hips behind yeah uh, and then just pull the legs in from there which then allows you to change the shoulder a lot less because you can move from the from the pelvic area Uh, yeah so it does seem that like there are all of the segments up through the spine and the spinal rotation and the flexion of the shoulder and also like the the elbow structure will matter quite a lot in the vega. like you'll you'll see that very yeah. often if you see it from the side that the elbow contributes a significant amount in terms of the flexion union so it's it's I think it's definitely the most complex position in terms of variation between yeah. people
0: Yeah it's definitely at a uh... A lot of the other handsets we can have a generalized technique that looks very similar for body proportions, but even then, it'll be people have nuances, yeah. Whereas with FIGA, it's just like we have the drills to teach you, you do the drills, and then you come out the other side of the FIGA maze, and that's your FIGA. Mm. So mm-hmm. it's a yeah, it's definitely a tricky one to learn. Yeah. I'd also
1: like to say just um, in briefly about flags, so I know several people. Uh, when we we're talking people with excellent full flags that yeah. like to drop their shoulder a bit when they do when they do full flag, meaning that like they're not uh, they're not um, as doing, elevated, yeah, they're not just not as elevated exactly. So they they kind of allow the shoulder to go down a bit, bringing the chest a tiny bit out, which allows for like more kind of rotation through the spine as they bend over the side. Um, but yeah, again, it's very it's very much of a. Um, of an individual preference, and also like yeah, how flexible you are in the sides and
0: all of that stuff. Do you have an extra rib? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you have that big rib spacing that we spoke about in the anatomical quirks episode? Yep. Yeah, so uh, lots of different things. It's basically yeah, we solved the problem by coming up with our own ideas or our own ways of doing it, I suppose. Uh, question four: This is a good one. Haven't heard you cover it yet, but I'd like to hear your perspectives and thought on handstands and longevity. What are some of the long-term benefits, negatives? How can we keep hand balancing to an old age? What are some of the oldest hand balancers you've seen?
1: I think it's it's one of the disciplines that you can keep the longer if you. I mean, if you if you compare it to circus and yeah. other things, it's 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 not so plyometric. There's not that many fast movements. Like if you keep a high level, like basically, if you do a high level. Uh, hand balancing prax- practice, and you would compare that to an on average of a high level tumbling practice, for example. Yeah. I mean, you just the kind of injuries that you would be getting from long term stuff, of for example tumblings, such things as very simple things, as just ankles, like with all the repeated impact over the years, or the spine, or so on. Like it seems that people who do very dynamic types of um disciplines uh need to kind of slow down earlier than the ones that are are slower and hand balancing is a slow one and one that can be done on the effective uh technique and flexibility and also strength and like one thing that i've found fascinating now that like i mean, in my 30s and stuff is also seeing that like in a lot of these um just just strength strength sports such as like weightlifting or of various kinds like you see yeah. often see guys who are older that are lifting like substantial weights like some of the the strongest people aren't like 22 kind of yeah uh so it does seem in a sense similar with hand balancing that you can keep quite a lot but of course like ev- everything that is on kind of the edge of a person's uh, maximal ability will be the things that go out go out first but uh like yeah i think like you will of course uh if you do this kind of thing for a very long time, you will experience uh, the kind of quote-unquote issues such as shoulders and wrists and possibly that you're so entrained in one specific way of moving that like... I mean, for example, me, I used to have pretty good shoulder extension and I haven't worked <laughs> on shoulder extension since I stopped straps several years ago. So, hey, my shoulder extension is garbage. It uh, doesn't bother my shoulders much, but um, it's probably good to keep some sort of long... or like. Uh, variation in it, if you want longevity, yeah. though there's like it's hard to kind of pinpoint any specific protocol that'll keep you uninjured. But I mean, there's it's good to to do more things, I would say, uh, if you want to yeah. keep it. And just to in terms of, like age, I mean, I've seen many people who are like in their mid forties to fifties. Yuval alone for example, he's I don't, I'm not sure how old he is, but he's in like the middle to uh, end of his 40s i think and he's keeping a, the at least a five to six days a week practice uh, mm-hmm. and he's high level hand balancer i remember a f- what was his name ricardo sosa i remember he's ultra contortionist uh, yeah. he's some of the worst hips i've ever seen like in a way he can bend them uh, <laughs> but he, he he was doing like pretty crazy stuff and i think he was in his 50s uh, i saw him press one arm on the floor and stuff and yeah. i think it was in his 50s, and also that guy, what's his name? Yuri Tikonovich. Like he had some had some acts on YouTube like years and years and years ago. And I think he was in his 50s when he was doing like Croco to one arm like 15 times in a row on a box. Yeah. Uh he was at least in his late 40s. So yeah, I would assume that both these guys are still pretty capable on their hands. So I think it's ultimately too to what degree you're able to keep practicing and keeping yourself healthy in general. And like of course, you need to you need to be more careful. Once you like there you there there is a difference in practice when you're twenty two versus when you're in yeah. your forties. So you need to kind of just take that into account if you want longevity.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of these things like as Mika covered it's uh handstands are so controlled. Hopefully there's no real risk if you're keeping a practice built of having catastrophic injuries. Yeah. So that's kind of pretty good. It's not like, you know, we're doing, not like we're doing Olympic weightlifting and there's a risk every time you lift that bar up that you might miss, even mm-hmm. if it's like a weight that you should be able to do. So there's pretty much that in terms of a uh, speed of execution. The other thing is what you really want to think about is like having a generalized physical preparation. So handstands is a very specific discipline and specific needs it doesn't cover all your fitness bases it won't it cannot because it's too specific too specific so you've got to think like what are the basic things we need a bit of cardiovascular training somehow we need a bit of general physical preparation this could be this is when things get nebulous so what i would mean by that i mean like a workout routine that covers general exercises push-ups pull-ups you know, bench press could be done, military press, maybe using some weights, a bit of variety in this, uh, aiming to obviously get stronger, make sure that you maintain muscle mass as you age. Does it need to be, you know, do you need to be pushing your strength to the highest limits? Probably not, because that's when things will blow. So you got to think longevity isn't always athletic. That's one of those things people think is like, oh, well. Train like an athlete. Now, don't get me wrong, it's very good to be have a athleticism, but to train like someone who's doing a track and field contest or powerlifting contest does not have longevity in it. Mm. But to train generally in the manner that they might, it can be very useful. bit of yard work never goes down wrong. Mm. Uh, these kind of things like staying active. That's the thing, staying active but not uh, super active. Making sure you pay attention when you start getting all these joint niggles and all these other kind of things and not letting small things which you will get small things if you must understand the practice, become big things and if they do become big things doing your rehab properly uh, these will give you longevity in a discipline the other kind of thing is yeah handstands like I think the two oldest disciplines I see people regularly doing in circus is handstands and contortion Oddly enough, people think contortion is kind of... Yeah, I've
1: seen some really old contortionists as well. Yeah, I've seen
0: like... I know a few who are like 70 and still like they would rinse both of us in flexibility terms. Yeah. And they're like... Obviously, it comes down to genetics and everything, but they do have a very good practice. They do pay attention to all their strength ratios. And, you know, they know what they're doing and they're not pushing things. They're not trying to... It's kind of one of those things you will reach a peak at maybe, you know, mid to late 30s. You're going to reach your ultimate level. Once you reach there, you can sustain that for quite a long time in a discipline for hand balance. Like the long, the oldest hand balance act I seen, was a guy who was pretty good. He was seventy something. He was in a trad circus, mm. so I didn't really get to speak to him. Was just had a show. Was in seventy something. He was still doing hands and cane presses, uh, one arms. I can't remember all the shapes. He finished the act with like one of the highest block drops to oh, the canes oh. that i've seen so <laughs> That's the highest impact handstand trick you can do with yeah. six or seven blocks high uh doing a bit of flag spinning on the feet you know so it was pretty high skill act in terms of that but it was uh done flawlessly with a, a smile mm. um, mm-hmm. a few wrinkles and everything so there's that uh so you can keep going quite a long time will you be doing all your hardest tricks at the highest level no, no. Well, can you have a sustainable lifelong practice if you pay attention to your body? Yes. Yeah, that's okay. a. It's
1: so that guy I saw also in, in the show by Cirque Ital in France. It was a Russian bar guy. Um, uh, if you don't know what Russian bar is, you could probably Google or like go on YouTube and search for Russian bar circus, and you'd you can find out what <laughs> that is. And it's basically the kind of thing that if you make a significant enough mistake, you're like pretty injured or dead because <laughs> uh, you fly very high. And the guy flying was doing, uh, he I think he was 64. Some people that spoke to him said he, he looked like it was made out of granite. Like he was more ripped <laughs> than like most 25-year-olds that are training really hard. And he pulled out the triple backflip on the Russian bar. Yeah. And he also did... Uh, he was he was also doing an act in aerial chain, which is basically like aerial rope, except yeah, it's a chain. <laughs> and he was doing he was doing full twists on it, uh, three in a row, and instead of doing kind of the tempo swing you usually do, he'd just like hang and he would just like like pull himself up to a front lever kind of really quickly, turn, catch again and like lower down and just repeat two more times. Yeah. He was just an ultra monster. Uh I mean it's very rare in those case with those cases of course that's definitely an outlier but it's certainly possible and yeah. um uh,
0: like it's um i think it's one of those things people have this kind of we just have a negative concept of aging in the west i think yeah and I it's think, just yeah it's mm-hmm. just like say like i've been to asia a lot and like people are just more active over there and they're in great shape and they're doing things that will put Westerners to shame at the age we're in. I remember like one time we were in Bangkok and we were just doing some training in the park and this little old Chinese man came up to us and starts chatting. He's like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, you work out. I do workout too. I do street workout. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, oh, you do street workout. Cool. And he starts like busting out like, you know, one arm push up. Like do one arm push up. He's like, I do one arm push up too. And I was like, okay, show me your one arm push up. And I was expecting him to do like a you know kind of bad form twitchy one mm. no 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 he done 20 one arm push-ups mm. with like form that was wrecking my feeble five reps i mm. was <laughs> just like okay and then he's like oh look i do this jumping clap one arm push-ups then he starts doing one hand fingertip uh superman push-ups it mm. was really uh, nice we got him for doing well and he's like oh i go swimming across the river and like every day and he points the river and it's like a mile wide and he's like mm. yeah i swim back as well some days i don't but I'm in a rush. But you know, every day I swim across the river. And then he's like, "Check out my mother. She's 90. And she's playing basketball." And he's like, "I was teaching her basketball the other week, and she never played before." So I was like, "Mom, you're 90. You got to learn basketball." And you know, I'm making this guy sound young because he was young. He had an old body, but he was young. And his mother, he showed me a video of his mother playing basketball at 90. That's pretty. And uh, she was, you know, she was a 90 year old playing basketball. So let's not like imagine Kobe Byron here, but she was like. Playing basketball yeah. at 90, and cool. they, Now, it is Chinese people, and they do exaggerate their age a little, mm. but this guy, he looked like a prune and mm. he was pretty wrinkled. And even if he was 50 doing these things, he was still in savage shape, and mm. maybe he was 70. So, benefit of the doubt, they always had 20 to their age, apparently. And like, uh, yeah, continue. So. Yeah, so it's just this kind of, and now that I've worked with a few older people, I have some clients in their 50s who they came to me with nothing, like, or no kind of fitness. Now they're super flexible they got splits they got head to toe they have handstands they have press handstands i was like for me it was kind of like oh we got some people you know i'll i'll train them as an experiment but my expectations were like not great i would say that's my own personal bias Mm. but you know i trained them just as i would train anyone else i think the only thing i noticed in the 50 plus year olds was what it would take normal 20 30 year old clients to achieve in two training phases so say four to six week phases they would take three week phases or three phases mm. so what they do in 12 what a younger person would do in 12 week, it would take them 18 weeks to do it mm. but they're still doing it mm. like you seen rita at the retreat and she was doing yeah, like yeah. chair splits and everything yeah. so
1: yeah like i just thought of now also when you said this about uh, aging in the west uh i think it's like we base our uh kind of ideas on on athletic ability of course because we we, we base it around kind of the competitive athletes we see uh, such as like football players and gymnastics and like sprinters and so on and of course then you'll see kind of it'll be quite young people that will do do all these things and then they'll retire and we also (laughs) of course (laughs) they get fat yeah (laughs) and then we we also have kind of a a generalized societal uh, structure too where you do your education and you get a job and then kind of you go into the stable life and I think that uh, that this kind of shapes our ideas of how this athletic practice and progress has to be done as well like you start early and then you peak at a certain young age and then like because if you're a competitive athlete on world level as at the point where there's very little chance that you can even hang with the top 10 anymore like people tend to to start to fade out and quit because the being a competitive athlete at the highest level is about trying to win the thing. Yeah. So then, of course, people start, start like stop their activities with that. And I think that kind of creates that idea that it has to, that by the time you're 30, like you are basically in like a massive decline. And I think this is like also, if you read that, like really old, uh, handstand book the true art and science of hand balancing by Polinetti. uh i think he's writes in the book that he started hand balancing at 26 after he had like really he was a tumbler and he hurt his ankles so bad that he had to stop tumbling and then he decided to no longevity in tumbling yeah (laughs) Uh, and uh, yeah it's a good example with tumbling because like if you have sustained a bad enough damage to your ankles like it might be very hard to to actually do much since it requires you to have that plyometric ability of the feet and the ankles to be able to even do anything but i think he wrote in the book that he peaked at around 44 and that that was kind of his his best age um so i mean it's it's certainly possible to keep like a rather high level towards towards at least like the, the later stages. And I remember like that that old video of Yuval as well when he does like what he called the 40 set where he did 10 stallers, 10 handstand push-ups, 10 pike presses, and 10 straddle yeah. presses in one set. It took him like, he did four the first minutes. 40th birthday or Yeah, it was, it was for his 40th birthday. And it's a pretty damn rough set. I couldn't pull that off without like pretty substantial training for several months, I think, if even then. Uh, so like it just says that if like that's n- that's not of course something
0: that is like if you try to do Let's that. Let's put Yuval in context actually, just so people don't know him. So he competitive gymnast, mm. quite a way up. Learned circus, had a full career in circ. Had, if I remember right, back surgery. And he, yes, sh- he shoulder had a surgery. Back
1: and shoulder surgery, I think. Yeah. Yes.
0: So he's. In a place where, like, potentially his body, you know, it would have been done the athletic career where people would have stopped and like, oh, you had a full career in gymnastics. Time to go, get fat. And I was like, no, I do circus as well, so kept that going for 10, 15 years. Then he's moved into teaching. Obviously, now he's still pretty good, and I still yeah. think he's getting better. Actually, yeah. he's he's still so. very, very good. So that that is,
1: and and that is a good point. I was speaking with him not so long ago here, and like, uh, it's, um, but that is it's a kind of a perfect example if. If him or even an an athlete of 20 tried to do a 40 set like he did uh, on a regular basis, then you're basically just putting yourself in an immense risk zone because you're doing super heavy loads like that. So that is maybe not the best idea to do when you are aging all the time. Of course, as a challenge, he did that, he completed it, and he left it alone. And it's definitely uh, it just proves that you you can be able to do very 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 crazy things even as you age but like would you would he repeat that every week probably not because it's not yeah. a good idea it's so, like training for a
0: marathon i suppose yeah. or something like that you do okay you do a structured training plan which i know he did i know he like had a plan yeah. that he was following that was kind of titrating up and load and intensity and all this mm. and working on components and details and all this so it's like okay well we're going to do this and then tada, he got the feet mm. so it's just like running for marathon like it's that kind of thing. Like you have your peak level. You don't train at your peak every day. You always like. That's what I always tell people, particularly with skill work and hands-on work. Is like seventy percent is awesome. Like yeah. you can sustain seventy percent for a very long time. That just means like you can't chase glory every single set, and you just yep. have to back off and, you know, possibly leave the workout when you feel like uh when you know when you feel like you haven't done enough, but you feel like you're ready to go and do a bit more. Mm. You're probably at the right point to leave the workout.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, think it's, uh, it's, it's like with, uh, also referring to like competitive sports, uh, they train to peak at the, at the competition and then they can take it easy. And that is, yeah. that is different from yeah, a daily practice kind of thing, or even a performer's, uh, cycle where you would like, like per, I, one example I love to take is like, if you, um, if you take a ring gymnast and you ask them to do kind of their Olympic level routine, uh, they can do that, uh, and they can perform it, and they c- it can be flawless and all that. But you couldn't, you couldn't take that Olympic level, uh, world championship uh, routine and put that into a circus show, for example, where they'd have to perform it perhaps like five to ten times a week. Yeah, that it wouldn't work because you're you don't have the time for the recovery, and like then the difficulty isn't is it's it's not something that is viable in that kind of context. That is why also performers and so on can't structure routines in the way that you would be doing if you were if you were like a competitive athlete so that is also just something to remember when trying to learn all these things that like you don't need to chase the hardest uh, of your achievements every single day because you will you're just operating in an extra risk zone basically
0: yeah i think it's a that kind of thing of a boop uh what's the thing it's that kind of idea that uh i oh, kind of lost my train of thought basically rip yeah rip, rip. <laughs> there we go next you question. can keep uh, going that was the end of our questions for this evening actually so i think we'll wrap it up in there uh yes. if you want to ask us any questions on anything handstand or anything similarly related you can always submit your questions to us on handstand factory on instagram uh, if you want to send us your cats or animals and want them to rate it, send us your ferrets as well. If you have it if anyone has a ferret, please send it in.
1: Or trash pandas. Or
0: trash pandas. I don't think that yeah, trash pandas are cool. Basically, you know, anything fluffy and animal-like, or anything bald right. and animal-like. Reptiles are acceptable too, and fish too. <laughs> uh, other than that, uh if you want to support our podcast or if you want to just take your handbouncing skills to the next level, uh, please check out our programs on handstandfactory.com. Uh, Other than that, uh, we'll get back to you next week and enjoy staring at the floor. Cheers.